my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. So in today's episode, we are going to talk about the difference between enabling behavior, which is being disempowering to the people that we love and being actually empowering to them and allowing them to make their own decisions. This is very hard for us to figure out uh, what is the actual boundary with it, what is appropriate, because with the people that we love, friendship, romantic partners, family members especially, we want to help them. In fact, that's actually the main definition of to enable, to 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 have enabling behavior when you look it up is actually to assist, to support. It doesn't really get into the negative connotation that we think of when we think of those who enable who are enablers to poor decision making and to bad behavior. However, when we talk about us those of us who are enablers, the reason why that is actually not helpful to people, which basically is you're helping someone too much, you're assisting them too much, you're doing way too much and being in their corner, is because it stops them from actually being able to grow and to make their own decisions and to mature. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Attention to all my proud plant parents. It is time to give all of your plant babies the best nutrition you can, starting from the bottom up. And that starts with the best soil to help them grow happy, nourished, and strong. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that is approved for organic growing and has been sourced from ocean waters and farms for over 28 years. With a full range of products to support every garden and lawn, Coast of Maine products are made to restore roots to the natural world. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, by adding Coastal Maine products, it will help regenerate the healthy microbes in your soil and set you up for gardening success. And if you have a vegetable garden, not only do you benefit via an abundant harvest, but find that there is less need to maintain and feed throughout your season. Coastal Maine continually perfects the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and place that aspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coastal Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. The products are carried by tons of local retail partners who can provide advice and insight that is not found in the big box stores. Costa Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community for gardeners everywhere, which is why I love how they make organic gardening simple and approachable for everyone. So let's get growing. Visit CoastofMaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coast of Maine, like the state with an E.com. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. 
So this conversation came up. I was talking with with, uh, someone that I work with about this and they were telling me how they have this family member who is constantly acting up. And this family member is actually an older family member. It's not even someone who's younger. And so this person is always getting into, into hiccups, always having fights with people, losing their jobs, starting things, not being, not being financially sound, using drugs on and off. There are some signs that they may have some mental health issues that are going untreated and unmedicated. And even if they... And not that medication is always the answer, but that person is also not willing to talk to counselors or to other people about it. And I can't remember if I said this already, but this person also doesn't have friends. So that last part is especially important is because the person that I'm working with, this family member, is constantly putting all of these issues onto her. So asking for advice, emotionally dumping, always having these emotional uh, meltdowns. And my students, and I'll just say just for the ease of telling the story, um, my student, one of the, this person is a parent. And so my student feels so much responsibility watching this happen. You know, people will say all the time that we need to have boundaries with people and to tell them no and to choose ourselves. But it is scary and terrifying to watch the people who you love, the people that you're so connected to, especially a parent, especially a parent and a child, uh, on uh, probably more than any of them. But to watch someone who is literally a part of you being so destructive, how, how hard it is to watch them go through that and not want to come in and rescue and to support them. But here's the thing. When the people that we love, or just people around us in general, but especially the people that we love, if they are consistently involved in reckless, dangerous, unstable actions and behaviors, and they never have to work through the consequences of that because we're always there to swoop in. We're always there to be the person who catches them, not only when they fall, but we're the one cleaning up the mess, that they never have to deal with the fallout of their actions, they never have to learn. They never have to grow. They never have to mature. And when you're enabling, you think that you are providing that cushion because they are going to eventually grow out of it. But what happens or what, yes, what happens is that they don't. They don't because they don't have to. Why would I actually need to learn how to keep a job and manage my money if I know that you're going to come in and give me money eventually? I mean, you might think that you going off on them or you having a fight with them or giving them a lecture is punishment, but it's not. What they want is to be provided for and you're going to give it to them. You might cause a say a whole lot of stuff about how you're not going to do it and wait to the last minute, kind (laughs) of, but you're really still going to give them what they want and they know that. Why do I need to learn how to control my tongue and control my anger if you're actually still going to come back around? If after you go and take your space, you're just going to come back and things are going to fall in the same way they were before. Why do I have to learn how to clean the house, to straighten up, to take care of my environment if I know that after you complain and after you say a whole lot of things, you're still going to come and clean up? The way that we get out of this dysfunctional cycle 
is not to help them so much to where they become self-sufficient because they actually have the, they already have the skills to become self-sufficient. And I'll say more about that in a second. But the way that we get out of that cycle is to get out of the way. You have to fully, completely get out of the way so that person has the ability and they actually have the need to stand up on their own two feet to move forward. One or two things are going to happen when you actually move out of the way and you stop enabling bad behavior. Either they are going to get really mad at you, maybe call you selfish, maybe call you bad, maybe say you never cared about them, maybe pull out every single thing that they know to do that's going to make you feel like crap to get you back into that cycle, uh, to make you feel really ashamed of yourself, to make you feel really guilty as if you are the one who's hurting them versus the fact that they're hurting themselves. They're going to do all of that to try to get you back in the saddle. And if you don't, then they will have to do it themselves. They will be forced to deal with the fact that they have real needs and someone's not going to come and do this for me. So I have to do it for myself. So that's one option. Or they are going to spin their sob story and spin their victim mentality to get someone else to come and take care of them. Because here's the thing, the people that we're enabling, the people we think are so fragile, the things, the people that we think can't really take care of themselves. They are survivors. They are survivors. They are hustlers. Maybe some of y'all, those people listening to me right now, either because you are currently that person right now, or you've been that person in the past and someone had to toe the line with you and tell you no, and you had to grow up, you know, whether or not you had to grow up at 14, 16 or 46, it, it happens, right? Where we, when people stop babying us, but the people who are using you They have learned how to, and I'm going to use these words because they're necessary, and I'm giving that disclaimer again because I know that there are people who are listening who have grown and you've evolved, so you know that these words fit, but I'm not trying to to hurt anybody's feelings, but um, they have learned how to exploit, they have learned how to manipulate, they have learned how to read you with their baby voices or with their uh, feigned incompetence or them just maybe even feigning that they're so confused and they can't figure it out, they got you figured out. They got you figured out. They got the relationship figured out. They got the family figured out. And they know exactly when to push and provoke and trigger and make you upset. And they know when to pull back and pretend that they can't do anything or that life is so hard or, you know, I've gone through so much and, you know, people don't understand and I just really need time or just really need patience. They know how to flip between the two and they know how to play you like a drum, play you like a guitar, and they know how to play other people too. So all that to say, if they are not at a place where they want to, or if they're ready to start to take care of themselves, they are going to find somebody else to take care of them. I have several people around me, especially men in my life that I've kind of watched, watched over the years, who will always, always, always have a woman to take care of them. And to every single woman they meet after, as as they go through life, they will tell anyone who will listen how the people before weren't the ones who measured up, which will provoke in someone who's not listening And someone who's not attuned to this type of manipulation, it will trigger in this next person, again, almost always a woman, 
the the need to rescue the need to be like I can't believe they said that to you I can't believe they did that to you I would never do that even if they never even if the woman never says it out loud in their head they make that vow of how they will not hurt this man the same way that the women before have hurt them and misunderstood them so she gets this and she creates this internal vow that she is going to take care of this man better than anyone before so and she does and she jumps right into superhero um, role and just this person is treated like a king and well and this <laughs> i just i just watch it's just incredible and it's incredible because I think it's a fantastic super super skill, honestly. Like that ability to be that much of a survivor and that much of a um, an intuitive person, it really is a gift. And it's just really sad that it takes advantage of so many hearts and so many lives to to move forward. But I'm saying this, I'm saying this to y'all listening, one, to put you on game and for you to be aware of any relationships where you have been giving and giving and giving and supporting and supporting and supporting and mothering and mothering and mothering, whether or not, again, it's a romantic relationship, a family member or someone else where you've been taking on so much responsibility to fix them and to heal their broken heart. I need, I need you to know that the only person who can heal somebody's broken heart is themselves. And if you have decided and came and step decided to step into this space where you're going to be the solution to your to their problems, you have set yourself up for disappointment. And it's either one or two things. Either they have prompted and asked you to do that, either through like the subtle hinting that I just mentioned before, or because you have a part of your trauma pattern, uh, a need to be needed, you kind of walked into this and you have made yourself that savior. You've made yourself that rescuer. And what you have to learn how to do and learn how to be and learn how to connect with is you need to learn how to be a peer and a partner to people and not a mother, not a fixture, not a caseworker, not not a, a therapist. You need to only be in relationships that are lateral and not, uh, what's the other word? What's the word when it's one person above the other? I can't think of the word and I'm not going to look it up. Is that superlateral? That's not the word, is it? Y'all, I don't know. Someone yell it to the podcast and maybe I'll hear it on this side of the screen. <laughs> on this side of the recording for later. <laughs> but you want to be in, in horizontal, <laughs> mutually beneficial relationships. Because that stuff runs out. Either you will get burnt out taking care of them. And then because you said at the beginning, remember, you made that internal vow at the beginning that you were always going to be understanding of them and give them space and give them time to figure it out. They just need a little bit of help. They just been through so much. You are not going to see what's actually happening. You're not going to see how you're being exploited. Um, or they're going to move on when they find something or someone better. Or they and or they will start to treat you with that type of entitlement that they deserve the help that you're giving so graciously and so much and it's going to be very hurtful to you. So so what are some signs that you may be attached to or thinking of some relationships? 
in the realm of they need me and just playing the role of an enabler. You are over assisting, you are over helping. It is not a bad thing to help people. But let me say this before I keep going. Sometimes it's not even about helping people in a way that's burdening to you, which is a lot of times what we talk about when we are discussing themes of codependency is when you're overextending yourself. Sometimes you're not necessarily overextending the amount of resources that you have, but because you keep stepping in, it stops them from getting the getting the opportunity to build the skills that you already know, which is why you have the abundance of resources. Sometimes we can mistake the fact that having or the belief, sometimes we can have the belief that having proximity to us with our abundance of know-how and, and uh, already said maturity, but our ability to actually follow through with things by having them watch us do this so many times or do this for them, that is going to give them the ability to do it for themselves. But that's not the case, especially if, a, if it's a person who either doesn't want to learn or doesn't have to learn because they know that you're going to do it for them. So when you're looking at enabling, you really want to look at, is this person actually progressing? Are they actually moving forward? Do they get better for a little bit, but then things get hard or they fake that it's getting hard and they start saying things like, it's better if you do it or it'd be so much quicker if you would do it or I don't know how. Uh, do they really play upon your impatience? Do they really play upon your need, your difficulty seeing them be in discomfort so you were more willing to come in and help them one last time or do half of it for them when really ends up being more? You know, there are so many ways that we can fall into enabling and not actually helping the person create the skills they they have to make to be a fully functioning member of this society. So here are some things I want you to kind of keep an eye out for and, and be mindful of if you see within yourself, because the only person that we can change is us. If you listen to this episode or any other things that you may be paying attention to when it comes to enabling and codependency and you get all fired up and you decide that you're going to go to them and lay down the law and, and tell them what's going to change, you're putting your energy in the wrong place. All of that energy needs to be focused on the only person you can change, which is yourself. So you need to be having that come to Jesus meeting with you. You need to be talking with yourself about what are you going to stop doing? What are you going to say yes to? And what are you going to say no to? When you feel tempted to, to uh, fall in line and to give in, what are you going to do for yourself and say to yourself and and what skills are you going to have access to and actually make sure that you do so that you do not continue to fall into the cycle, right? Because when we look at enabling, when it comes to addiction, when it comes to helping people passively quit on themselves because we're, we're the ones who are going to be there to rescue them, we are as much a part of the cycle as they are. We are the ones who are helping them not move forward. So the ways that we empower them is to empower ourselves to come out of it, to learn how to watch with love because it is possible to fully love someone and to fully want them to win and for you to watch them kind of struggle a little bit because it's in the struggle that they learn how to move forward. Watching my three-year-old put on clothes is a struggle because that boy <laughs> will put his arms in the wrong holes I got places to go. I got things to do. It'll be so much easier for me to just come 
and put on those pants and put on those shorts for him and put on the socks and put on the underwear and all that other stuff. And he will never have to learn how to do it. I even watch him sometimes try to exploit mommy and and be like and do these little grunts and like it's so hard like he can't get the shoes on. Boy, you can get those shoes on. And so we will wait until he learns how to do it himself. But it's absolutely, absolutely uncomfortable to watch. It's absolutely annoying sometimes to have to sit there and watch someone that you care about struggle to to put the skills together. And I'm using a very soft example on purpose, right? I know that that there are very serious things, but even going back to the example that opened the episode, if you see someone, if you have someone next to you who is struggling with addiction or struggling with mental health issues or struggling with being financially very, very irresponsible, as difficult and as scary and as sad as it may make you, Helping is one thing. You coming in and rescuing them so that they never have to find out, oh, okay, if I actually don't have a job and I actually don't learn how to have social skills, if I don't actually learn how to connect with people, this is the kind of life that's waiting for me. Do I actually want to have that life? No. Okay, well, these are the skills I need to to make. Uh, the person who I'm thinking about as well, was the only emotional confidant for this parent, for this family member. So for her, it actually was, actually is, was very overbearing for her to be this parent's only friend and talking to her about all these really negative things that are going on. And so her thing is, well, this person, this family member doesn't have any friends. So if I don't talk to her, if I'm not there for her, who is she going to have? Well, I'm like, well, it sounds like she has to learn how to make friends. It sounds like because you are not her therapist, you are not her caseworker, you are not this dumping ground. In fact, part of your trauma is probably the fact that you've been given this role your whole life when it was never your responsibility in the first place. You're this person has has got to learn how to make their own friends in their own age bracket, who has gone through the same things that they have, who is of the same generation, who can actually help them move forward because they have more of a connection in that way. And the more that you enable and listen to every time they call and you're like, just taking it and you're listening and you're not saying, okay, this is too stressful for me to listen to. You need to go and find some friends. You need to go and find a therapist. That, that, that parent doesn't have to find a therapist. They don't have to do anything because they have you. Even though you're telling them every time you have a conversation. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. 
From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here, are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. You got to find this person. Okay, as soon as they get done listening to you say that, they're just going to keep talking like they always do, right? It's just it's just become part of the cycle. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. So pay attention to any ways that in your mind you have made excuses for this person. Things like, they come from a different generation. They've been through so much trauma. They were attached to a narcissist. They have had such a hard life. They grew up homeless. They whatever. Because all of these things can be true and they can be super traumatic and super hard and, and difficult. But that doesn't give them a forever pass. A forever pass? It doesn't give them a pass to never, ever, ever learn how to take ownership for themselves. You know, there's a phrase that sometimes people use that says that may explain you, but it doesn't excuse you. So many of y'all have had the experiences that I've said, and even worse, and you have had to learn how to find access to resources, to people, to tools, to reach out for help and support because you were tired of living the way that you were living. So there's a choice when it comes to any problems that we have, even even inaction is a choice. You get to choose to move forward or you get to choose to stay still or you even get to choose to move backwards. But recognizing that whatever that person is doing, it is a deliberate choice. And so are you going to enable them to make that choice to move backwards or to stay still? Or are you going to help empower them to know how to take the next step to get the life that they want? So what does it look like? What are examples of how you can actually help somebody and empower them that doesn't look doesn't make it feel like you're just completely abandoning them, right? Because again, with people that we love, 
we don't want, I'm, I'm not advocating, and I hope you don't hear me advocate for you to be heartless, for you to be cold, for you to just kind of cross your arms and say, well, figure it out, because there's absolutely a balance in between. I think about when we look at the, the, the concept of scaffolding, which is helping someone build skills over time. They, they talk a lot about, you. at first, it starts with you doing it for them, right? So when it comes to teaching someone to tie their shoes, you do it for them at first. You show them while they're sitting there, while they're watching you do it. It's not that you go and you, you tie the shoes and then you come back and put it in front of them, but it's an active lesson. I'm going to do this for you, and I want you to watch me while I'm doing it. So you do it for them, and then you graduate to doing it with them. So, all right, I showed you how to tie your shoes a couple of times. Now is your time to do it. So let me watch you. I'm going to sit right here with you, but I'm not going to do it for you. I'm going to instruct you through every single step. So you do it with them, and then you let them do it on their own. So I think about when I used to work in residential care, uh, for those of you who don't know, I used to work in a rehab center for about four years. So people of all different disorders and addictions from borderline to cocaine and narcotic addiction to, of course, sex and love addiction to bipolar, uh, bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety, all of those things, right? And so after you're in residential care for a while, and when you're about to discharge, the way that our program worked is that we helped you build your recovery and safety plan. And I'm pretty sure that's standard across the board if you've ever been in residential care. But when I was someone's therapist, I would really try to help them build skills so that they could actually leave and have some success before they continue with whoever they were going to continue with after they were within our care and treatment. And I think about how some of the things that I used to work on, or one of the things I used to work on with people is working through their ability to ask for help and call for access to support and services. So it's a pretty common joke because it resonates with so many of us that circles around with having anxiety with calling and ordering a pizza or calling and making a doctor's appointment and getting so anxious and so nervous about what is that person going to say? Am I going to say this right? What if, what if I get the wrong person? What if the script I have in front of me doesn't work, you know, and kind of wanting to rush through it or not call them at all. So doing that kind of stuff with the people who are about to discharge. So at first they would be in the office with me and they would sit there and they would watch me and I would talk them through, okay, this is how I'm going to call for support. This is what I'm going to say and this is who I'm going to ask for and having them sit in the room with me while I called and did all that and talk them through it afterwards, debrief what they saw me do, answered any questions they had, asked what questions they would have if they had to do it themselves, talked about how they felt doing it. So we did that for a few times. Then we practiced them calling and doing it on their own. And I'm sitting there with them and talking them through their anxiety before they even made the call. And then uh, being there for support if as they are talking, what do they say? Helping them fill in the gaps. At no point do I take the phone for them and say, let me do it because they are doing it because it is something for them to learn. But if afterwards they're feeling a whole lot of, I should have said that, and how did that sound and all that, I'm talking them through it at the end. And then they do it fully themselves, right? 
And so for you, if you find that you are enabling a family member or friend or a child, an adult child that you have, it would look the exact same way. So it's time for them to go and get their own apartment. And they want you to go and talk to the leasing agent. They want you to look for, for, for them and they want you to ask all the questions. No, 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 ma'am, no, sir, you're grown. So let's practice being grown. And if you've never taught someone how to do these skills because you have been enabling them, this is the time for you to start to actively teach them. It is never too late. It is never too late to to create these new patterns. It's never too late to change the dynamics of your marriage or your relationship as well. You know, I was talking to someone else the other day about uh, she's making a decision to leave her relationship with her partner. And she she was telling me how she kind of resonated with the episode a ways back that talked about be, seeing financial, seeing financial, I can't remember how I titled the episode, but seeing financial abandonment as a red flag in a relationship and just watching how this was kind of a bigger cycle in her partnership with her, with her husband of how he had neglected a whole lot of things and just allowed her to do everything. And then he took advantage of he didn't have to do it because she may nag, but she would take care of it. She would take care of the kids. She would take care of the house. She would take care of the money. Um, and he was just pretty much coasting. And so I say that as a precedent, you know, in this, in this example, this person decided that it was time to leave the relationship because she had had conversations with her partner and pulled back and tried to set boundaries and show and it. And it turned out that this person was not going to change and it wasn't just because he didn't know how to is that he didn't want to. And so it was, it was time for her to make that move. And if she were to stay and just continue to take it, it wasn't going to get better. If, if anything, it would probably get worse, not to mention the toll on her emotionally. But I'm saying that for y'all here, that if you have been in a dynamic in your marital or long-term committed partnership, where you've been picking up the slack and you've been enabling your partner and not showing up in the way that he, she, or they needs to, that you need to be in charge of your part by pulling back. So when you say you're not going to do it, you need to actually not do it. You need to actually learn how to take care of what is under your control and allow them to deal with the consequences of what happens on the other side of that. Now, obviously, that is very complicated when you're sharing a household, when you're sharing bills, when you're sharing children. So please talk through this with whatever mental health professional or person that you have supporting you, but their advice is probably going to be the same as far as setting boundaries of respecting your no, that it is not healthy in any dynamic for you to be doing everything emotionally, mentally, physically, financially, sexually, spiritually. It's just too much for any person to take care of yourself and to take care of another whole grown person. It is just a, a recipe for relationship disaster legitimately. You're not making it up. You're not being too picky. You're not doing whatever. It is a, it is very overwhelming and is very unfair. So again, this isn't up for you to necessarily go and, you know, have another ultimatum fight with this person more so for you to determine what are my boundaries? What am I doing? What am I not doing? Then you can communicate that to your partner, but this is not a game of chicken. It's not a game of, I'm going to see how this far this goes. 
and if they fall in line or not. You're not doing it for them. You're not doing it as a pressure tactic to try to get them to move, which causes stress in you when you find that they don't. Because usually in those type of dynamics, that person can wait you out. <laughs> they have learned, they've been through this role with you before. They know that you're just a whole lot of talk and you're just going to fall in line eventually. So this decision has to be for you for what you're deciding for your own mental, emotional, and personal health. And so you got to live in it. And so that person is either going to fall in line, um, fall in line, meaning that they are going to rise to the occasion and become your partner. Um, they may kick a little bit of dust up and maybe y'all will need to go to some type of counseling or coaching to talk through it. Or they are going to really, really push and you're going to see the reasons why things haven't been changing is it because isn't because they needed more time or access or support, but they really had no intention of showing up. And so better you see that now than not. So be mindful of making excuses for other people's past. Be mindful of you not respecting your own boundaries, uh, not knowing what your boundaries are. You may need to, again, have that come to Jesus meeting with yourself and figure out what your boundaries are. If this is your first time thinking about boundaries, you may not know where to start. The book Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Dr. Nidra Tawab, Tawab, I believe, I, I hope I'm saying her last name correctly. Uh, she is written by a black therapist. She is phenomenal. Many of us know her work. We have seen her, her reposts and her quotes and her, her tips and tools about boundaries and, and inner child work. We've seen it across the web, even if we didn't know it was hers. And her, her book has amazing reviews from everyone I know who's read it. I've not personally read it, but I trust everyone who I know who has. And I trust the work that I've seen from her. So that would be an amazing book for you to start. But yes, yeah, so you can do that in, in romantic partnerships and family and in friendship as well. And just start there. Start somewhere. But again, last time I'll say this, by you saying no and you pulling back, that's the only way you're going to help some of the people around you. It's time. It's time for you to let them become themselves, to find their own identity, to do that hard work. There is not enough overcompensating on your end that you're going to be able to save them from having to go to those dark places themselves so that they can build what they actually want. They're going to have to pull out all those weeds. They're going to have to dig up that foundation to create something new. And that is their own journey. They are going to have to have their own heartbreaks. They're going to have to have their own failures. They're going to have to have their own disappointments. They're going to have to have their days where they're crying, where they're upset, where they are in the mud for them to learn how to look to the light, for them to learn how to pick up a ladder and not pick up a shovel and go deeper. For them to learn how to look around and to join hands with the people around them versus pushing them away. They are going to have to figure out that whole journey on their own in the same way that you have had to learn. So don't rob them from that. And it's okay for you to listen and hold space for them. But and sometimes that's all you can do and that's all you should be doing for them. And so hopefully that is helpful. Hopefully that helps set some folks free or reaffirms what you've already been doing and what you need to be doing. And as always, share this episode with someone who you may feel like needs it and uh, re-listen to it as you may need to over time as well. So that is today's episode. I have loved having you all here as always. I have also loved seeing the registrations for our last and final open house 
for my final cohort of the recovery school before I stopped teaching it live. So I would love to have you in our September cohort uh, at our open house. It is an enrollment open house. So I will be going over the program. I'll be going over what, how I help you in the program, the structure of it, what to expect of it, the length of it, the lessons, our different tracks, the investment, of course, the payment plans. I go through all those things and I'm there live to answer any questions that you may have. A big, big, big number of the women who come through my program are women who struggle with these types of enabling boundaries, especially with family members, especially with parents. And many of them are living in the same house with their family members. And and so I, I, I get to support you live and up close and in person with what does this look like to hold my own, to find who I am, to be respectful, if being respectful is important to you. I mean, I would, I would assume that it is if y'all are living in the same house. <laughs> but uh, just even, you know, just culturally and what feels good for your own, your own integrity and how to make this space when you may have been built to be an enabler and, and built to be parentified and and these are the roles that you've been given and stepping out of that, what does that look like for you now? So if you relate to any of that or just boundaries as a whole and finding your identity and finding what does this mean for me to live in this balanced space and you have resonated with the teachings here, with my coaching style, with the ways that I have supported y'all, then the recovery school is the next step for you. I would love for you to be one of my students as we finish out this year and get into the holidays get into the holidays my favorite time of year and just really prepare us especially with family season coming up oh my goodness uh prepare you with tools to help you go into 2023 and the rest of forever feeling very equipped and feeling grounded in this way. Would love to have you. So you can sign up for the open house by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash open house. It is at 6.30 p.m. CST on August Tuesday, August 30th. We'd love to see you there. There's enough time for you to put it on your calendar. And yeah, I hope to be able to welcome you in if you find that the program is the right fit for the next step of your healing and growth. So again, that's it, y'all. Sending you so much love as you go into the week. And I will see you in the next one. Take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.